This is the Cast. So, obviously, obviously, I was occupied with some ma- more manic Utica Comets tracking, which is always very good on my health and for the betterment of uh, hashtag our Canucks, or sorry, hashtag Canucks, Canucks Army, Canucks Nation, to know how their prospects are doing on the farm as it relates to micro stats. So I wasn't able to give you the proper celebration or <laughs> yahooing oh, yeah. that you deserved for your very deserved and uh, warranted selection to the Botchford fellowship. So I, <laughs> I put together some things. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I visited the old dollar store, not the one I used to work at. We can get into that in an off the t- off the post episode, but uh, we I got will. some things to celebrate. I didn't get champagne though because obviously as you're yeah. just discussing before this episode was about to start uh recording, I am very very ill right now, which is just fucking wonderful timing, but anyway. And yet you're here like a champ. Hey! <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Oh. My- <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> I thought it was the one that was gonna go like, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's just it just it just plastic. Oh, it does the cool trick. It does the trick. It does the it doesn't make the the, noise, but it does the it does the physical thing I want it to do, but it doesn't make the noise, which is kind of lame. Oh yeah, yeah, if you're if you're if you're not watching, uh, if you're not watching the channel, the YouTube channel, uh, uh, so okay, from what I can see, I better I better maximize the window because I usually keep it smaller. Okay, so there's a botch uh panel uh, or like a little stream of like banners up banner up in the the corner and then uh i i can't fully read what the 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 little banner underneath it says uh from the from so uh the banner reads it is your botchford project uh period (laughs) but like on my like obviously in my with my eye screens it's very legible but because of lighting reasons it uh doesn't really translate you have to really zoom in to kind of read it and also i spelled botchford wrong which was very disappointing but as i said i was very i'm very sick right now so my brain is my brain is working at like 30 percent capacity which is like you know half as much as it usually works at so it's, it's a little rough go for me right now but i figured i'd give you some kudos for your selection, as you're Thank also you discussing so before uh, we started recording, I, I, I'm I, sure people saw me tweeting a bunch, like, you know, if anyone needed help with their applications, like, to shoot me a line. I didn't actually expect to get as much of a turnout as I did, but I helped quite a few people with their botchford applications and gave them advice on how, to, how I would approach this year's uh, application, because obviously... Only three people were going to be picked out of God knows hundred or so applicants. So you really needed to hammer in the uniqueness, your originality, who you are as a person, making it sound like you really fucking care about what you're doing and what you're applying for. And then I realized after helping all of these people apply that I had also helped my boy here, Lachlan Irvin with his application. And I thought, Oh no, what happens if I accidentally help someone else get picked for the Botchford project instead of Lachlan? Which, <laughs> which you to know be what? clear, which to be clear, 
that's totally that's fine. fine. It's a wonderful program. 100%. If, if Lachlan didn't get in this round of like three out of 100, he was going to get picked for next season anyway. The guy works way too hard to not have been chosen. Uh, fortunately, he gets to get uh, picked for the bizarro season where everything's done over Zoom. There's going to be multiple people in one day. I'm so excited for him. I texted so many people being like, my boy, my fucking boy got picked. Did I you actually? Oh, yeah. I, know. Uh, I screenshot it. I sent it to Roxanne. I was like, oh, my God, my boy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I was really happy for you. Really, I enjoyed your episode where you very nervously tried to recap the entire situation. And, um, yeah, so it's it great to see. I'm glad you got picked. It's a very exclusive club full of very cool people we don't have an exclusive chat yet which is i mean it probably needs to be worked on like there should be like a handshake <laughs> like a like a stone cutters type thing where we have robes and like meetings and you know Absolutely. discuss the direction of the team that we are going to dictate uh kind of like the actual media does with their group the actual stone cutters uh so yeah it kind of makes sense that we should probably get on this especially now that there's two of us you know you can take split the load a bit like you take it some days i take it the other days and then we kind of you know control the media from here on out get some more banners going i don't know but we're (laughs) not going to spend too much time uh talking about lachlan's selection even though it's fucking awesome um we're here to talk about unfortunately actually yeah (laughs) let's sum it up right here so thanks for tuning in folks to the crease cast has been uh a, a little celebration for Lachlan. If you want to turn <laughs> the episode off right over. here, it is completely understandable because we are about to start talking about the Canucks' very, very sleepy efforts against the Ottawa Senators in the last two games. Uh, they won one, I think, and then they got shut <laughs> out think. in another one or something. I don't know. So, Point is, yeah, they were very ugly games. They were not enjoyable to watch. They were sad to watch because you just as critical as you wanted to be of the team for their kind of sleepy efforts and some like uh, standout performances from the goaltenders. You just kind of felt bad for all the players that were playing like shit because all of the concerns we had when they were coming back to play against the Toronto Maple Leafs were realized in this series against Ottawa, where the team looked tired. Very, very, very very tired and i think i tweeted this several times during the game that you know it's just ottawa like this is the time to play cole lind like get the kids in like why not and someone flipped out on me being like it's just ottawa question mark they just kicked the shit out of your team it's like buddy wait like like a canucks fan jumped into your mentions Oh, so like, okay. I feel like he's a Sens or a Leafs fan. I don't know how he really got into my DMs or whatever or my. I had. Slides. I got. I got some weird interactions from a Senators fan, like on the first game, again like, on the first game of the of the of the series, like yeah. um, for some reason, uh, which is so weird, especially because like you'd think that they'd just be excited at this point because their whole team is like yeah, they're just team, be happy. Their team is bad, but they. Like, are, they play aren't hard. playing like it. Yeah, they, they aren't play, playing like a bad team. They're playing over their heads where they are getting very impressive games out of, like, a bunch of kids and winning games. And then, obviously, the asterisk being they're winning games against a Canucks team that is clearly fatigued from COVID. No matter yeah. what Brandon Sutter wants to say in his pregame availability, saying they're all fully healthy and good to go, there's no way you watched that uh, 
that lost the other night and said to yourself, oh, yeah, this is totally the Canucks of, you know, old. This is pre-COVID Canucks. Like, no, they're no no first line centered by Bo Horvat and featuring Besser and Miller should be getting caved by the likes of Josh Norris and Alex Formanton. Like, no. no, that is not that is not competitive integrity embodied. That is just a tired, tired team facing against a young group that is eager to basically tell the haters to go fuck themselves and say, you know, we're the Sens. Yeah, you make all your we're an AHL team jokes, but we're really going to stick it to you, stick it to your team and win games that we probably shouldn't. And like you said in your last solo episode, the Canucks continue to win games they shouldn't and lose games they should have won. And yeah. uh, the last two were perfect examples of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, God, we have to get into like the Infinity Gauntlet. And mm-hmm. I, I, I came into the episode thinking, all right, I don't want to pick a goaltender because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so obvious. What? Why not? Like, but, I mean, <laughs> why on earth not? It's just so boring picking the goalie every time because it's like uh, it's going to be every game from here on I out know. because. The way okay. they're playing, it does come down to Braden Holtby standing on his head. You know what? Like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to meet you on this. Let's say for today, as much as, as great as Braden Holtby was in that last game, and has been for this whole first week that they've been back. I'll, I'll let's say this. Let's vote. We'll, I will go for not a goal. To, I will elect to go not for a goalie. We will talk about Holtby, but I, I will pick someone other than a goalie today because I think we can find two players from the last two games because one, one was a win. One, one of those games is a win. So there were some good, there were some good uh, performances in that first game uh, to draw from as well. So we can kind of go off of the two, and I'm sure we can find two players that aren't goalies that did well. Ew, that's hard. <laughs> that's like legitimately hard, though. Okay. Uh, well, then, I mean, do you want me to go first? I can try and f- I will. I can pick one first. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Like I will give you some. I will give you some time here. Um. Because, you know what, like, again, the first game I think they did, like, that 4-2 game, like, it's the bounce back from the original loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, overall, they got good contribution from a uh, from their top from their top six for the most part. They played a much better game than the first one. Uh, yep. were able, it, again, still too close for a team like Ottawa. You should be doing a lot better, again, yeah. but also circumstances dictate that that's hard to, that that's not necessarily possible here. So just winning is a nice is a nice touch. <laughs> um, if I'm going to pick anyone here from the from those last couple games besides a goaltender, I think one of the people I would have to give credit to um, is uh, is is uh, J T Miller. I think he did really. I think he looked very good in the first game. He was con- he had good contributions. I believe he had two points. Um, and even in the second game, like they couldn't get much going they couldn't get like none of the like the no one could get anything going but i would argue that they did that um they were they gave them the best effort like again it was a matter of the team looked gassed and tired and there's no there's no amount of like luck that can really undo that to a point Mm -hmm. like there you can only take you so far and um the that's not for a lack of effort like they when they lost yesterday it wasn't for a lack of effort it was simply just because they're so they're working from so far behind the eight ball it's very tough for them yeah. to come back into this so i'd give it to miller and then 
Um, I don't know who you have planned to pick, but I would say, like, as a as an honorary mention as well, Olio Levy had a second goal, second NHL goal, and I think that's think that's I think that's worth giving props to as well. So I'll give JT Miller the gauntlet, and uh, I don't know, Olio uh, Levy can hold a thumb, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he gets like half of a jewel, I guess. Yeah. He gets like he gets like the he gets, one... he gets like the glue that holds the jewel in place. Yeah, or he gets <laughs> like... he gets that fake one on Asgard, the fake one. Oh uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, because, oh, God, that second game, like, like, I tweeted after, like, I fell asleep with five minutes left in, like, the third period, <laughs> like, obvi- obviously, it's because I felt like I ended up being very sick, but, uh, like, just, what was there to take away, like, Hoglander was really trying hard, like, he was, he was really trying to make a difference and score in every That's shift of his, why. it was yeah, nothing new, good. it's, like, it's his usual, like, dynamic self, he was really just going above and beyond, uh, the defense looked exhausted. Quinn Hughes looked pretty good, actually. He looked like he was kind of regaining his like defensive play a bit. He wasn't so like prone to giving the puck away. He was chewing a lot of minutes. Like looked good on both ends of the puck. Like that was at least like kind of encouraging to see. But yeah, I guess sa- same thing. Yule Levy, I guess gets the gets the single stone on a giant giant infinity blocker just by pure virtue of having tied the game with his slap shot. Maybe, maybe Howerluck gets like a bit of the glue as well that holds the gem, the gem in place because of that screen of his. That's, that's Howerluck about has it. it. Yeah. Howerluck's been, Howerluck has, he's, and maybe it's not registering on the score sheet so much, but like he, he's a, he's a good energy guy. Like he really does a decent yeah. job of bringing a little bit of, and I talked, I actually talked about this on the, when I did my 650 hit on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I did that as well. That's new. Oh, yeah. And the last time um, uh, I talked about, I'm, they, we were talking about, like, what players from the, um, uh, like, from that bottom six have done well. Like, the the kind of like the new, the replaceables or the expendables, I guess, if we want to call them that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Howard Luck, it, he's really good about, he's always, I always notice him when he's out there. Which is yeah. something, which is something that you don't always get with that bottom six because of just they're an older group they're not that fast they're not really they're not for checking like crazy all the time uh yeah. they're so when you get somebody like howard luck who steps in and actually kind of makes a little bit of an impact in that regard that's a good that's a good step and it's, a, it's also so, interesting because like he took so long kind of to get to this point where he did stand out as like a bottom six player like he was pretty forgettable when he finally did slide in the lineup after coming off of ir and it was just kind of like oh he had such a rough start that's such a yeah, like no kidding literally gets hurt in the the, the training camp with tyler mott i never forget tyler mott just turned into a like an absolute bull in a china shop for yeah, <laughs> for the whole training everybody. camp yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man but yeah that, that was actually totally strange fought adam Godet, uh, adam Godet, blue foot adam Godet, like yeah like just a baffling baffling what uh, a weird year that was actually when you think about it that training camp basically told everyone what they should expect for the season and it was just going to be a nightmare and it started because of tyler mott and he did the smart thing he he uh messed things up at camp and then he got injured (laughs) oh no (laughs) and disappeared for a couple weeks (laughs) bye suckers i'm out of here come on suckers Uh, yeah oh yeah it's it's good that he is standing out now because obviously we're kind of in audition season. I don't know if this is, I don't think this is a playoff push. They need to win five straight to 
basically be on par with Montreal and then need to somehow play better than them down the final 12 games of the season or whatever it is, 17 left. Uh, so that's a big ask for a team that's coming off of, like even without COVID factoring in it, that's a big ask from any hockey team that struggled pretty much the entire season. And now you have like Calgary apparently is coming back a bit. Uh, a bit. Winnipeg loses their star player. Uh, Montreal's just kind of like playing 500 hockey. And sometimes you get like a good team. Sometimes you get a shit team. You have they're no idea what they're rough. doing. Yeah. It's it's such a disaster that like the Canucks conceivably could make a playoff push here, but it asks so much of their players to have to try and bridge that gap and then some to make playoffs. And during that stretch, you need guys like Howard Luck, Highmore, Boyd, VC, all these guys to step up so it isn't just this weird, funky top six uh, carrying the rest of the lineup. Like they need bottom six contribution and they're not getting it at all. And so when you see Howard Luck providing a good screen, you're like, okay, it's finally some positives, something that might lead to some some bottom six production down the stretch. Who knows? But like, there's nothing from anyone else at all. I don't no. see anything from Travis Boyd. I see nothing from VC anymore. Like, Highmore is... had a VC had a, a particularly bad week. Like he was, yeah. He was, and I talked. I talked about this on the solo episode where, um, like there was that that one play in Toronto that I'm still baffled. Or no, sorry, the first Ottawa game that I'm still baffled by. Where on the he's on the power play unit, mm-hmm. he's parked in front of the net. He gets the puck right in front of Matt Murray, and he's like right there. Defensemen do, have not picked him up right away. They did not notice he was back there, and. Yeah. VC literally all he has to do is try and hook it around him and in or something, but instead he passes back like he's expecting the long shot to JT Miller best to be on that side. But of course, it just immediately gets stolen by a senator, the senator's defenseman coming back and flipped out. And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking that that moment, like, like where is like your confidence is gone if you're yeah. gonna make that play in front of that like literally on top of the crease he was right on top of the crease with nobody on him and he passed and he passed which maybe that was drawn up but even then i'd be sh- i'd be shocked to find that out. it's yeah um, it wasn't like a play you would ever see a defensive coach like Baumgartner be like hey if you're in this position uh just blindly backhand the puck yeah, like, out like no, no. No, and there's, then, a, there's a couple plays like that too. Like even for Tannen had one where like he had no one available and he just iced the puck for no reason. Like yeah. he wasn't in the crease, but it was the same idea. Like they had possession, and then it was just like, oh, I'm gonna throw it away. Yeah, it's bizarre. It, yeah, and for and in VC's case, I mean, he was getting opportunities to play in the top six because again, they're down Pedersen. They don't have anybody else who can step into that spot right yeah. now. And by the end of it, uh, according to Jeff Patterson, just two shifts in the third period and only one over the final 14 and a half minutes of a game where they're losing two to one. Like, that's... And their lineup is good to begin with. Like, that's, yeah, that's your a bad lineup, sign. That's a huge... That's a real bad omen. And um, I think I think, I think think Justin Bourne was talking about this on Halford and Bruff. You would know better than I would because um, I know you listen pretty avidly to that, to I that show. I, I, only, I only am able to check in every now and then because I, uh, I'm at work. 
But uh, but I I believe one of the things he was talking about like today was when it comes to the Canucks depth and everything mm-hmm. is like that you need to ask the question like what's your role like what role are you playing on this team like if you're in that depth please uh, depth right. uh, spot and we've talked about this on the show before like with uh, getting call ups from Utica if you can fill a specific spot for mm-hmm. a little bit eventually they'll make room for you to play the role that you, or the sp- the the job that you are more capable that you're best at yeah so you have to you have to find you have to prove you deserve a shot in the lineup and sometimes that means doing something different than you normally are capable of yeah. and right now there really isn't any but out of all those like expendable guys out there isn't really anyone in there who i could point out and be like oh this is their role this is exactly what they do mm. this is their job the only person you can do that with is tyler mott what is yeah. tyler mott he's penalty kill He's energy on the fourth line. On the fourth line, some jumps up into your third yeah. points. Aggressive four-checker, can skate. Bingo. I mean, occasionally gets off offense and whatever. How are luck you can maybe start getting there, but even then, the fact that he doesn't chip in so much on the offensive side of the puck is kind of, is still a little bit working against him and is working against him when it comes to like uh, getting a long-term contract or, or at the very least getting a, another contract next year sort of thing. Um, and right now, I don't know, I don't know what, like what would keep Jimmy, Jimmy VC in the lineup versus say a Cole Lind. Like why, why wouldn't you go in that direction if you're Travis Green at this point, just because you yeah. already know what you have in VC. Is it, it, it might be time to give Lind a look here. I think it's like a case of you know what you have in everyone in your bottom six. You know what you've got in Travis Boyd. You know what you got in Jace Howerluck. You know what you've got in Highmore. You know what you have in all of them, right? So it's like, obviously, Travis Green's a lame duck coach. His whole thing is he needs to fight for playoffs. And if if he rules that he can't win with Cole Lind in the lineup, then, I mean, that's his call. But at the same time you're throwing someone like Jimmy VC or Matthew Highmore into the top six to play with Besser and Horvat or with Pearson or Miller or Hoglander, like whatever. The point is you're finding space for these like bottom six grinders who will, will cap out their NHL careers as bottom six forwards. They're not going any higher than that. So surely you can get Cole Lind into the lineup and play a couple shifts in the top six. And worst case scenario, you bump him down to the bottom six and you give him the Mark Michaelis treatment and he gets sticks at four minutes on the entire evening. It doesn't matter. Like if at once they played Michaelis that four minute night, it told me that they are still going to try to gun for playoffs, but they are still going to limit ice time for forwards that conceivably are in the lineup because they get believe they give them a chance to win. But four minutes isn't opportunity for anyone to prove you can win. It's just a body. So make that body a guy who's on an expiring ELC who might get taken in the expansion draft. You need to know what you've got in him. And yeah. I'm sure... I mean, depending on what Jim Benning status is with ownership, depending on what Travis Green standing is with ownership, someone needs to kind of put the hammer down and be like, okay, I know you guys are pushing for playoffs. If you put Coland into a game and you lose and we miss playoffs because of it, like that's on me, but we need to know what he can do. 
because we're not going to have any other chance to do it. Like Ottawa was this four game stretch was the absolute time to see what they've got in you levy in, you know, Brogan Rafferty or whatever. Um, this is the best time to experiment. This is the perfect Easily. time to experiment and see what you can do by mixing and matching these tweeners into your lineup to see what they can do at the NHL level. Even if, you know, best case scenario, Lind, like I said, plays four minutes and, you know, ends as a minus one on the night, like whatever. If he survives those four minutes, then maybe you have something there. It's only, it's only upside, right? You, you don't lose anything. You're not, you're certainly not losing games because of Colt Lind. Like, yeah, like I was going to say, like, is, does it, like, I would argue that it, it almost, I would say their playoff chances would improve at this point if you may like possibly if you put Cole Lind in rather than one of the guys they have now. I can't see it getting well, worse. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like Cole Lind's upside is he could be a top six distributor. Like he could basically play that Gold Dobin game, but be a bit more tenacious on pucks and actually play like an agitator role, which is something that isn't really readily available in any of their drafted prospects a bit so, closer to like hoaglander then so kind of like kind of kind of in yeah that, that that's kind of like kind of like in the vein of like like kind of like a lapierre like he he's a Ooh, decent that's two-way a player but he's he has no problem agitating or being like a shit disturber to try and uh generate penalties around the net like he has no problem with doing that kind of stuff and if that. that if that gives your top six like a look like a like a definitive look instead of just you know they play hockey because right now the top six is just we've got skill and we're gonna try and score but if you add an agitator to it then suddenly it's like oh this is a tough line to play against and hey he might not work out and worst case scenario he gets bumped to the fourth line to play five minutes with brandon sutter in very limited sheltered minutes like if that's the worst case scenario then that's that's fine but you're going to see more out of what he can do in the top six than trying to pretend that Matthew Highmore was traded uh, in exchange for Adam Goddard because you think he's going to be like this top six put- like potential player for you. Like, get real. That's not why you acquired him. So no. during this stretch, when you're against the literal worst team in the North Division, uh, for now, uh, get Cole Lind in the lineup. You're not going to have this opportunity soon. You got to do it. It's just, it's so frustrating to see. Like we saw Michael DiPietro finally get sent down to the Utica and they called up Archer's Silovs. And in true Canuck fashion, Demko was then ruled out with a lower body injury, which is fucking aces in terms of comedy. (sighs) Uh, But like the DiPietro thing, that like there's so many things that you could say are fireable offenses for this GM and this management group. But the fact that you have a 21 year old goaltender, who's like one of your prized assets and he sits the entire fucking season on a taxi squad, taking lessons without game action. That is so fucking bad. And like, what is, what is D Pietro going to the AHL in the final like three weeks of the season going to teach him because it'll get him goal- games, which I, it the, does matter. I will the say the goaltending in the AHL right now is sub 900 league average. It oh was like God. last time wow. I checked, last time I checked 
in my save percentage thing, it went from 904 down to 899. Holy, like, what's happened this year? Just like the... Well, it's just, it's because the goaltenders uh, are all I... in t- on taxi squads. Like, legitimately... Right. Legitimate right. third string goaltenders are all on taxi squads this year. So you have a lot of ECHL guys or kids right out of junior. Um, the Comets have this kid, Joel Hofer, who had a pretty good World Juniors in the last last uh, World Juniors. And he's played, I think, sub 900 hockey for them. And he just got one shutout after, I think, facing down like 67 shots in a single game. Oh. And so you have like atrocious defense defense and echl goaltending so you're gonna have uh d pietro going practicing with ahl or sorry nhl guys and ahl tweeners for the entire season working on his his reverse post integration all the things that ian clark loves to teach in his guys and he's gonna go apply it against guys that just wind down the wing and tee up one timers from point blank just can't apply any of the knowledge that he's learned because he's not testing himself against NHL shooters. He's testing himself against ECHL players and AHL tweeners. Like it's, I'm so sick of hearing that like, Oh, he's got practice time with one of the best in the world. It's like, okay. I, I you can practice. Can't, you I mean, yeah. But I mean, you, yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't discount that. Yes. Being able to work with Ian Clark uh, for the whole season and from is a good is great for is great from a technical and like learning standpoint yeah. and by all accounts from what we've heard he was perfectly fine for, from what we've heard there wasn't any supposed complaints uh at least like compared like from what his agent said or <laughs> i don't think they'd be coming out with complaints uh, e- even if they had I, mean, him, I feel like they probably wouldn't I, but either way, um, I do think I I think that regardless of where he's going, the fact that he is gonna get games is huge. Even if it isn't NHL competition, um, I think again you you can you can't replicate you can't replicate true game experience within practice. It's just not possible because yeah. you're always gonna be playing against your because the skaters are always gonna be playing against their own teammates. They're never gonna go a hundred percent because. That would be nuts. You're not going to injure. You're not going to potentially yeah. risk injuring or hurting someone on your own team. Yeah. So you're, you're not going to you're goalie ne- with a slapper. No, you're never going to try and tee it up the way you normally would in a game. Um, because uh, so you so at the very least he'll be going to a league where people are going to be trying their absolute hardest. And right. I think that the fact that he's going to get to. Uh, do that plus still get to work with Curtis Sanford, who is mm-hmm. the supposed who is supposed to be like just a straight up extension, just, just of, an Ian extension Clark. of him, yeah. Right. Supposed to be an extension of Ian Clark. Uh it I don't know if this is gonna I think this is gonna be a lot better for him. I think the fact that they're just gonna get him into some games is gonna be is gonna be really, really good. Yeah. Of course it does suck because he probably would have gotten NHL an NHL game uh, if they had just literally waited yeah, one uh, yeah. fucking day. That is, that is the uh, ultimate scenario where they finally make they like they're fine like and this in their minds, this is a proactive decision to move him to Utica and get him games, and the second they do it, Demko's like, Oh yeah, I'm injured in the warm up. I can't play, get Archer Silovs in the backup, like no, oh, oh I, my god! I mean, exciting for Arter Sila. Uh, yeah, good, for Arter Silos, good for him. Sil- Silvos, yeah. Remember, the, uh, Silvos. you know, 
I always I always talk about uh, in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I love that song uh, about Yukon Cornelius. What is it called? A uh, Silvos in Gold, something like that. Something like uh, that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, that was that was a bit tough. Uh, and uh, actually, speaking of that, usually um, when we do these episodes, uh, I post the like started the lineup picture that the Canucks put up on the in our in our prep sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't do that today because it mysteriously disappeared in the middle of the night while I was, uh, when I went to go get it. Uh, it, it had been deleted because of, uh, multiple spelling errors, including Silvos was on the photo version. And also, Howerluck was spelled Ha, like, Har- it was Harluk or something. It was spelled, yeah. like, they had flipped two letters around and made it different. But Which, it was to like, be fair, oh. like, Howerluck is a weird name to spell. I but, agree, but, but also, and also, you should just have the names ready to go. You shouldn't. Yeah. Are you are you retyping them every single time? That's that's, that's what I didn't get because, like, in as Photoshop, a Photoshop person, you don't you you save templates. Yeah, like you, you save just the na- you save the name as a fo- as its own layer, and then yeah. you just move that layer to the spot you need, and then you align the you align so that they're no centered horizontally or whatever, and then that's it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Like, are they typing it all individually every single time? That would be they exhausting. Must, uh, either they have, or we didn't notice, or all the other ones also say Halruk, and we haven't noticed. That would be very <laughs> funny. That would be really, really, that would be both really sad and very funny if we just nobody the knew. entire fan base had just not had it click in, and it yeah. took the Silvos misspelling for yeah, people like, to go and du- triple check all the other ones. They like uh, asked Jace Howerluck in like the post game, like, "So uh, your name was spelled wrong," and he's like, "That's how they always spell my name. That's what my yeah. name is spelled like." And he's like, and everyone's like, "Oh, you Sorry, know what? Like, buddy. there was, I believe, there was one player. I want to say in the Leaf system for a long time, who, or at least for one year, they had been um, misspelling his name on the score sheet, or they had been, per- or like they had been misspelling on his jersey the whole year." And this mm. kid was too polite to say anything. They never, I, he never said a thing and nobody knew. And then at the the start of the next year, he said <laughs> something and they're like, wait, what? You, we'd been misspelling it this whole time and you didn't tell us. Yeah. Then, which is like, just, which is all just really sweet. But at the same time, like guys, spell check, check, double yeah. check your lists. You got to double check those lists. That that to me is like fine. Uh, that's kind of cute, like that the player just like went along with it. But I I had Didn't to want to raise a fuss because it, fuss. this bothered me so much when it happened. But when um when Danny Briere was like, stop calling me Danny Briere, it's Daniel Briere, and he refused to go by Danny Briere anymore. Do you remember this? I don't. I don't remember this. He like he, it, prior to the season, like they were like, it's Dan, it's Dan. It's no longer Danny Briere. He doesn't want to be referred to as Danny Briere. And it was like, bro, you've been Danny Briere your entire fucking career. You can't just change your name and be like, call me something else now. Like, you're I'm a hockey a, player. I'm, an, I'm a man now. I'm Yeah, Daniel. it was so bizarre. Or- or he just wanted to really like capture some Sedin magic, and he wanted to be a he wanted to be Daniel for a day. That that's also that, possible. That could be it. Maybe maybe he's evolved. Maybe now in retirement he's just Dan. He's Dan Briere. He's Don. He's Don, Don Briere. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the evolution of uh of people named uh like Robert, like how you go from yeah. like Robbie to Bobby Robbie, to Bob. Bobby. Bob. Yeah. 
Oh, just, have just you, oh, we'll talk about this in, in, in our off the post episode, but there, I could tell, we could go into a whole segment about Bob's in sports right now if we wanted. Um, <laughs> I will, but you know what? We'll stick with the goaltend with goaltending for a second because, um, obviously Silov's, I don't think he'll play. I don't think he'll play a game. He's probably no. not going. He, I think, obviously, if DPHO had been here to back up, I think he would have gotten last night's game. He would have gotten this one and then Holtby started this next one. Uh, this one, to, the one tomorrow, which by the way, um, if you didn't know, it's a 2.30 p.m. start on a damn Wednesday. For That's a weird one. Why? That like, doesn't even know. help people in Ottawa either. Like, No, it's a, fi- like, I mean, I guess it's a 5.30 for them, but most people start, are getting out of work at that point. Like, Yeah, and like if you're like an Ontario in or whatever... Like you're probably like a government job, so you're working nine to five. Yeah, that's true. So, that's so you're probably, you're probably missing the game. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, obviously, it's not like anyone's going to the games at no, this point, so it's not like, like that matters. But for the TV audience, it is baffling that they do that. It's, it's if you told me that's a weekend game, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, Wednesday. Like, but this comes no. down to like the scheduling being like just weird in general. Like, what was right. it like Sunday or Saturday when they had like thirteen games all starting at seven p.m. Yeah. Eastern, like, and it was like yeah. you you couldn't stagger them, them out a bit, nah. like not nah. even by ten minutes. Like, no, yeah. really, no. Uh, um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like um, there are that, that injury yeah. to um Demko. I think they said like today or something like that they're like oh it's it's most likely day to day it won't be anything significant so he might come back and then i saw a tweet where someone was like yeah you know who else was day to day elise patterson it's true that's so, true it's entirely I mean, true for um, the canuck's sake they better hope that demko's back pretty quick because i don't I, know if i can do another junior goaltender coming in and getting lit up seven goals I mean, I think they would just ride Holtby at that point. Well, they, they I mean, they couldn't because they'd have to give, there'd, there'd be back-to-backs and they can't play Holtby on every back-to-back. No. So I guess I guess Silovs would have to get into at least, like, two games. Um, it's like, okay. With Demko, with the Demko injury, um, I'll say this, like, it does concern me that, you know, he talked about what on... On after his one game uh, yeah. against the the uh, against the the, the senators uh, that was the was that the senators game yeah the that was first a, that was the first game. senators game yeah right um, he talked about you know the brain fog issues the you know how he really he had been the one who had dealt one of the ones who dealt with COVID hard he took it it his body did not take it well um, this is this is kind of what we have to look this is kind of one of the things that we have to be really concerned about right now because of uh, we were already worrying about the idea that these guys are coming in, having gone for a month out of game shape. They're not going they're and being sick. They're not going to be necessarily ready to go. And you worry that this is that he is the just the first domino to fall kind of thing here because I mean we saw how gassed they were. The whole team was on on in this last game, and. Yeah. Demko and I, I worry about the idea of are we are they gonna about to rush him back into the lineup to sign save some some playoff hopes here because well luckily for them Demko or Holpe is playing incredibly well he's been yeah. their best player by far this whole time this whole week yeah um like ex- like he was he was fantastic last night there wasn't yeah. one goal where I was like oh he should have had that or it's like oh like no, it they wasn't came like 
they came off of the team basically getting completely crushed. Like it wasn't yeah. like, oh, hope he let in a softy. It was like, no, the team just gave up basically. Made, stood still. And then and then made like multiple huge saves in like the final minutes of the game and held them in as yeah. long as he humanly could. Yeah. And so luckily in that case, like they it it looks like they can buy Demko some time here to get over what to get over the injury or anything and not they're not gonna panic and freak out and rush him back. Yeah. But uh it's still not good that this is a guy who again was not not uh was off was off of uh was off of the ice for a while, uh did not come back uh, for the first game because he was dealing with uh with with health issues, plays yeah. one game and then immediately back out. Like and that's it, and it, that's it doesn't help either that um Demko has a history of concussions in his hockey career as well. So it's like you hear Tyler Mott saying he needs extra time because of he's had concussion related symptoms like yeah. brain fog and you know his head just not being right and you're like okay well they're saying it's a lower body injury i have no reason to doubt them that it wouldn't be a lower body injury but like you hear this the whole brain fog thing you're like man you hope it isn't anything worse because man like if if Holtby like fell back down to earth and was playing like he was to start the season then the playoff hopes are really doomed and then then you really have to wonder what is travis green going to do with the remaining 16 17 games of the season because it's not going to yeah. be pretty hockey at all no and um if i and also just to kind of talk about the goaltending as well like um from the senator's standpoint um if i were going to give if i were able to give out an infinity gauntlet to a goaltender this week i would have given it to marcus hogberg as well the hog um because you know what, like he came into a tough situation where Murray, Matt Murray, gets hurt in the first, in the last game in Vancouver. He gets hurt um, on a like kind of an accidental play. Like he gets called on that tripping penalty, right? Like everybody's like, "Oh, he tripped for Tannen. Why would you do that?" Yeah. Uh, and but it was pretty. But then uh, you watch the replay and you realize, oh, he didn't actually mean to trip for Tannen. What happened was he overextended his leg, uh, trying to reach for the rebound. And he kind of just instinctively, as soon as he realized he was hurt, like leaned out to kind of try yeah. and like stabilize. And he just ended up taking out Vertanen's skates instead. Um, and now it, we found out that his season's done. Matt Murray's done for the year. He's uh, he's not coming back, which is like too bad for him because, man, he was. It, see, it seemed like he, he was had coming two shutouts. Back a bit. Yeah. He had two shutouts in like a week. He was doing yeah. all right. And now they're in a situation because they've, and they had lost, then they lost, uh, they had lost Fort Anton Forsberg already in that game, before yeah. that game, also in a similar kind of situation to Demko where he got hurt, uh, before the warmups, before the official, like, on ice warmups, he got hurt. Um, and they had to bring in, uh, well, they had to get, um, uh, who, well, they had Hogberg backed up and then Hogberg yeah. backed up for that game and then ended up finishing. With uh, Artem Anisimov uh, expected yeah. to go as the fourth string because uh, they, oh, yeah. uh, they can't use they can't use a a David Ayers this year. No e which is COVID rules. Yep. So lame. Tough. I mean, it sucks because I was gonna bring my gear to the rink on Monday just in case. Okay. You never know. Like no. <laughs> um, actually, somebody 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 did like uh, somebody asked the question: What media person would be the best uh, Canucks media person would be the best e bug? And somebody answered me, and I was like. Yes. That's like me. that was my that was my yeah. proudest moment of the week. That abs right there. That was it. Um, <laughs> but 
in all seriousness, I mean, the Senators are down, are already down, are now down three goals. Every goal, because, basically. Yeah, like no Hogberg is, and Hogberg was already hurt this year. They lost, they've lost Murray, they lost Joey Decord, and now Forsberg, who, poor guy, went through, like, the ridiculous waiver claims, got claimed yeah. by th- four Played different once. teams, and this is the thanks he gets. Yeah. Um, like, it's such a, it's been a rough year for injuries all across the board. And I mean, I guess, do you want, I, I will get into that a little bit in a second. Um, but I guess we should wrap up some of the Canucks stuff first, um, before we get into anything there. Sure. Um, I guess we could, talk, well, you know what? We could talk about Elias Pettersson because, uh, his season yeah, speaking is of also, injuries, like, that's what I was trying to say. Like, the whole Demko being day to day thing is kind of like, oh well, okay, we don't have to worry about the Silovs thing just yet because they're saying, oh, he's gonna be back pretty quick. But then you think of, okay, well, Elias Patterson's risk issue, risk his wrist issue was just gonna be a couple days, and then it turned into a week, then it turned into a week to a week issue, to being rumors from like. Uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, Elliot Freeman being like, Oh, we're not too sure how serious it is. He might, his season might be done, but you know, hopefully he'll be back for playoffs, which they're currently not, uh, you know, qualified to, to make right now. So it's a little yeah. like, I mean, I, I, I mean, if you think, make it, I think everyone's kind of sure. been on the same page anyway, where they're like, you know, the season's kind of a, a loss anyway, like shut them down and you get the surgery you need so that you're better for next season when things might be a bit better. Because I mean, the season's kind of in the tank anyway, they don't I mean, really stand to gain anything by him rushing an injury. Uh, he like rushing an in, uh, return from injury to, to what really make a push for fifth place. Is, is that worth the long-term health of his wrist, his shot, his passing? Like, Is no. it? Is it? No. Now, so. the one good thing is that it doesn't sound like it's going to need surgery, which is, like, the fact that they were even willing to hold out this long, I would say, indi- and say that they felt he would be ready for the playoffs, would indicate yeah, yeah. to me that he doesn't probably need surgery, which is good, because if you can avoid surgery... Mm-hmm. Uh, you should, and you should rehab if you can instead, uh, yeah. because that, I think they, I think they say like with surgeries, it's kind of, it, it's, it's not a, sh- it's not necessarily a short term fix, but it's not a, it's not the best, it's not the best way to go about it necessarily. Right. Cause some, cause if you can let it, uh, rest up and heal on its own, like doing like exercise, like the, whatever exercises or like stuff you might need to do. Uh, mm-hmm. like a doctor might prescribe to you it's much better for the long-term health of your body to do it that way and it might like heal back as properly when you do the surgery it is a little bit of a quick fix sort of thing yeah. where it's more about the okay it's going to cut down how much time it is in recovery but you might hurt it again and you might need to do this all over again and it might be not as easy this time the second time around right. you know so yeah. if if they can avoid surgery that's that's the best case scenario here um i would say like you know yeah don't rush him back there's no reason to bring him back into the lineup unless you are like in the playoffs already and already like yeah if they caught if they had caught montreal and it was like okay in the final 10 they need to somehow be above 500 hockey to to really cement their place then i'd be like yeah okay i can see why he'd want like he elias Pettersson, would want to you know, return from his injury stint to give his chance or his team the best chance they have. 
But as it stands right now, the way this this thing keeps getting drawn out and dragged out, it just seems kind of like, uh, what's the sense? Yeah. And honestly, even if they did, even let's say they do catch Montreal, let's say they win that fourth playoff spot. Um, even then, you maybe can go like, okay, we're not going to play Pedersen through the first four, five games of the playoffs. Maybe you take the maybe you take kind of a Steven the Steven Stamkos approach the way the Lightning did where they were like okay we're gonna play him if we're coming down to a it's sort of do or die situation so like if the Canucks are facing elimination and yeah. he's good to go then throw him in but sure. if you're as long as you're in it and like in the series and yeah. you're not facing like the okay the last game or it's done don't even like just leave him let him let him sit and rest and keep going and see how long how far you'd be able to get in that situation. Um, right. Because the longer... Look, look, you want to only use him, essentially, in this case, if it's a last resort. That's yeah. the only only good... Re- only, uh, like, legitimate reason to try and bring him back in is if it's just the last final <laughs> shot you're going to get. Yeah, he comes in on one shift, tees up a one-timer, scores, the bench the and, rest of the game, team wins yeah. the cup. That, I mean, like, yeah. If, you, if the, he wins game seven, move. don't... Yeah, he could win game seven. Don't start him game one. Let him sit the yeah. next four. Let him yeah. sit the next four and then come back for five. Like, that's how <laughs> that's how it's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, one other thing I think we will touch on is uh, the defense The defense for the Canucks. Like, uh, just well, spe- specifically Edler and uh, Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt had a weird week. Like, because he went from having a pretty good second game against the Senators. Like, he was... I think their best of like it was one of his best games as a Canuck. He looked very good. I yeah. think he had, he had a goal. Um he had a, like a strong goal too. Like it was just a perfect shot. And then you go from that to <laughs> to game whatever two. yesterday was. Yeah, where to the first game in Ottawa where he tries this pass across to JT Miller. It's immediately picked up by Brady Kachuk. It's a 2 on 1 the other way and Josh Brown gets the and Josh Brown puts it in. Yeah. And that I mean the their their pairing did a did not do well. Um, they were out for both goal. Out for both goals. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't like that. I mean, I don't like that pairing. But what else are you gonna do right now? Like, well, Rathbone? I, I guess the, maybe. All, all this pairing has really done for me this season is convince me that the team needs a succession plan for Alex Edler because they cannot bring him back another year. He is so clearly just not up to NHL speed anymore. And Nate Schmidt is like a quality defender, but he is having to bear the brunt of a D partner who doesn't have wheels anymore. Can't shoot, uh, takes penalties egregiously because he can't keep up with play. Like everybody, like Edler's great. Like the fact that he's been a Canuck for as long as he have, that's wonderful. He's provided so many minutes and, you know, like tough, like tough minutes, not even just like minutes, but like the tough, hard, hard matchups. grueling minutes. And it wears you down. You just watch that game on the other night. And it's just like, it was like pulling teeth, watching them get caved in their own end, unable to, you know, reverse along the end boards without having to engage in another battle because like the young guys of the senators are, taking the puck mid midway they had nothing like watching them get caved and shelled in their own zone for like three minutes at a time was like oh so hard to watch and at the same time like 
I can't fault them because maybe maybe a lot of this is COVID related, but even before COVID, Edler did look slow and lethargic relative to the the youth movement that is in the Canada's North Division. It isn't getting any younger, or sorry, it's not getting any older. Like, look at Ottawa; they've got freaking a daycare center just producing NHL prospects to keep playing, and none yeah. of them are slow. They are all fast. Uh, Edler's in it tough next year if you know competing against the full league again. He'll be thirty-six 36. or something. Ugh. Yeah, he'll be thirty-six by. Uh, well, he'll be. Uh, uh, oh no, pardon me. He yeah, you, he will or. No, he will be 35 still. He just turned 35. He just turned okay. 35 on uh, the so, 21st. Happy birthday, Eddie. So, uh, so then, <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, so even then, though, at 35, like you can tell, he's just slowed down considerably. Maybe yeah. they bring him back on uh, league minimum to play a 7th D role where he doesn't have to play every single game and you can kind of shelter when he gets in into bouts. Honestly, Otherwise, I'd be fine if... The- Honestly, I'd be fine if they just put if they brought him back on a cheap one year deal and put him on the third pairing. Just don't put him in the top four anymore. Like, yeah, the can, problem like, is if you want, they don't have if you want to sh- if you want to shelter him in that like third pairing. Honestly, he'd do. I think he'd do a little better with a like if you give him a less workload, you get put him with a with the right partner on defense as a third pairing guy he's still an okay option i think there i think the main it, problem is he's now just playing a a role that he is no longer really capable of doing properly so this is the thing if you wanted to do that you would have to have another right d option that is actually legitimately good because even in the minutes that he's getting now with Nate Schmidt he obviously can't keep up and is getting destroyed so the solution would be to get another nate schmidt who can then be deployed in you know sheltered catered minutes and kind of you know save them like ease them along basically for the next season 82 games where they don't have to face against the top competition be an elite shutdown line where edler now becomes like an oscar fantenberg type right that's fine but then you need to replace a second pair on the Canucks, which that's Rathbone a big ask. Blank. So, right. so even if you have Rathbone, you need another Nate Schmidt to be that shepherd for Rathbone to come along nicely because this is... can the team afford Travis Hamannick now? So they're going to need three bonafide right shot defensemen or, or guys who play on your right side next year when you have to replace Hamannick, Edler, and uh, whoever it is going to be on that third third pair, if it's not him. Yeah. I mean, see, you talked about they need a succession plan from Alex Edler. I think the big, the, I think the big pr- problem we're realizing here is they never got a succession plan for Chris Tanev, which is what they, which is what, you would be really helpful right now. Like if you yeah. could have a, a younger sort of Chris Tanev type player, and I'm I'm well aware that those are hard to find. Like Chris yeah. Tanev was a very was uh for what Chris Tanev is, he's an extremely rare type of defenseman and the way that he plays and like what made him so good is really hard to find. You don't yeah. see a lot of him out there. Yeah. But 
they never really, I remember looking at that group and like looking at like, yeah, they have Quinn Hughes and yeah, they have Olio Levy, but all these guys are scorers and you don't really have your shutdown. You don't have another mm-hmm. shutdown guy ready to go. You don't have that. Yeah. And like Nikita Trampkin, if he signed, wouldn't be that guy either. Uh, no. That's who's apparently coming in Ugh. at some point, which would be yikes. Um, but no, you don't, they don't have a shutdown defenseman because even, even Nate Schmidt, that's not his, that's not what Nate Schmidt is either. That's not what, that's not really what Travis Hamanick is altogether. Like, he's kind of closer. He's about the closest thing they have right now. Maybe Jalen Chatfield is kind of close, is kind of close too in that kind of regard. But again, we're still talking about nowhere near what they need to be looking for. And yeah. that's, that's been their biggest problem. That's a big problem. The fact that they didn't ever really. They didn't properly find the right play. Uh, they didn't properly find a successor for Tanev, and they didn't give him, and they didn't get that player. They should have had that player in the system a long time ago. He's yeah. not there, and and now you're talking. And now we have to talk about the fact that they don't have an Edler necessarily. They might have. Mm-hmm. They have some good. They have good defensemen. They just don't have. They don't have necessarily the most well-rounded cast to choose from. You know, like they're all kind of. They're all very much scorers or like they're all they, very offensively charged. They have like based based on like how the Canucks like to build their defense, like obviously they saw Stetcher like as like a third D. They never thought thought that he would be anything more than just a a guy who could provide five v five minutes, even oh, though Stetcher like, would come in handy right now. Jeez. Oh, absolutely. Um, like he was like for me, he would have been a good succession plan because he could be that third pair guy for Edler to play sheltered minutes with. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he would have been cheap. Third pair, yeah, that would have been a great third pair. And then you'd have uh, Schmidt, Rathbone, and and Hughes, and whatever cheap right D option they can pick on the free market to get his stats inflated by whatever Hughes brings to the table. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a perfect setup if this team ever thought ahead. But right now it kind of seems like what they're going to have to do is make like beg Edler to take a league friendly or league minimum team friendly deal. And then Jim Benning and company somehow take advantage of the expansion draft um, like I think they've said for like a while now, like uh, Drance and J-Pat have been saying the Flames are a team that they could look at to take advantage of in the expansion draft, especially on D, because they have four eligible guys that can be taken and they can only protect three of them. Yeah, yeah so right now, right now they have Mark Giordano, who's their captain by all means. No, like, he's yeah. a late bloomer. They have Hannafin. Rasmus Anderson and Chris Tanev, who they just gave trade protection to, so they would have to protect him. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a thir- leaves- there's a third option there where you can conceivably take away from that team so that they don't lose him for nothing. And if that's like a Noah Hannafin, if that's a Rasmus Anderson, like if you're picking up Rasmus Anderson before an expansion draft to add as your first pair with Quinn Hughes, like you're you're looking a lot better than what yeah. it is right now where you're discussing which, you know, AHL tweener is going to come in and provide you 18 minutes a night. Cause that's not going to happen. Um, and I mean, barring, I'm, I'm barring looking at their, like, I'm looking at their sheet right now. Um, I mean, Rasmus Anderson is good, is good as well. I'm also even looking like Oliver Schilling, uh, Oliver Shillington's right there too. 
He's well, also they, there. The only issue there like, is he's not. He's not. He was on waivers not. and nobody wanted him. And he's Which is weird because he's good. Because he's a because he's good. Because he's I agree. decent. I, I'm with he's you. He's pretty so, decent. I saw him in Stockton for a long time. He was a de- he was a very good defenseman, and then yeah, he, he seemed to do well fun. for a while. So yeah. it's, but yeah, it's a bit weird that he Anderson. was like if you get him for free. I don't think you'd want to trade for him now for expansion draft considerations. I think what you would want to do is you would want, you'd try and go for Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannafin. You'd have to. Yeah. It, de- it depends on who Calgary values more. They're both 24. They're both, I mean, Anderson is the, would be the one you'd want more particularly. Yeah. Not only is he cheaper, he's also a right defenseman, which they'd have, which is, cl- which is obviously the one that they have. They need the most help, the side they need the most help on. Mm-hmm. If you can get Rasmus Anderson, yeah, that's a good fit. If you can, if you can get something to work there, yeah. Um, and sudden, suddenly, that uh, second round pick for Sven Berchi isn't as bad anymore because eventually you ended up with Rasmus Anderson anyway. So you let you ended up you en- do the work for you. Yeah, you did. He, they and did all the like development work for you. <laughs> it's Calgary, like guy tapping his forehead. That's a, it's, Cal- it's the Calgary it's a tapping the forehead meme. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, like. You can't screw up the draft if someone drafts better for you. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just yeah, like a that's completely a good, that's a good idea. There's there's a ton of implications to what this team needs to do for their decor heading into next year, and that's just Calgary. Like, I think, um, who is it? It's not Tampa. It's uh, there's a. I mean, there's uh, a good Carolina a, still has like a guy that they can lose to the expansion draft. Uh, have, maybe maybe you pick up one of them yeah. like one of their guys and you ditch um madison bowie or whatever like you the canucks are now set up that they can take on another defenseman who is like another nate schmidt conceivably and yeah. if they can rebuild their core by having really good defensemen fall into their laps because other gms aren't positioned well for this expansion draft and that's what they need to do yeah. and right now the cynic in me says they're not going to do any of this and it's going to be another two year deal for Edler. And they're going to talk about how fucking good Jalen Chatfield was again, like they did last year. Yeah. I mean, Chatfield has been fine. Don't get me wrong. He's been, he's basically just been okay, but like, but he's not, but that's all he is. He's never going to be better than that. Like that's weird. We're talking about a team that should be like, competing for playoffs conceivably can't rely on guys coming in and being fine. They need to talk about, okay, instead of picking off one Nate Schmidt, we need a team of Nate Schmidt's that are going to carry us into playoffs because their defensive play is elite. It can't be like I props that we gave you levy, the infinity blocker earlier, but he's not a long-term solution anymore. Like he's he is what he is. He clearly doesn't have the, the foot speed to to compete against like the top competition of the North Division, let alone the entire NHL. Friendly so, reminder: the North Division is easily the worst defensively. Like yes, that's that's, that's the like, thing. Easily, it's, it is such an ugly division that when your your former fifth overall draft pick is getting like walked. He's not getting as walked as much because they've been very good at prescribing him minutes against yeah. like, you know, like other fellow AHL players. But that's what he is. He's a high end AHL defenseman at this point. He just doesn't have the foot speed to be a guy that you would say, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna take on 
Alex Edler's 22 to 24 minutes a night on a second pair. He's just not. And so they need to desperately overhaul that defensive core in anticipation of the expansion draft, let alone in anticipation of next season. It's going to be wild what they have to do. I'm looking at, I'm just, I'm just scrolling through the list, looking at some of the teams that are available, like what might be available. Uh, Like Dante Fabro from the predators might be available, might be out Mm -hmm. there. Um, You look at Colorado. I mean, they're going to have to pick between, uh, they're going to have Kale McCarr. They have Kale McCarr probably. It has to be protected. Yeah. Um, and Eric Johnson as well, because he has a no-move clause, which means that one of Sam Gerard, De- Devon Taves, Ryan Graves, uh, or Ryan Graves will be available. Like, holy. Like, any of those would be a huge upgrade from what you have now. Yeah. Uh, there are, and yeah, you mentioned Carolina. I mean, they have Dougie Hamilton, they have Jakob Slavin, they have Brady Shea, they have Brett Gardner. That's four. And then they yeah. also have Brett Pesci, who's decent as well. Like, mm-hmm. they have a, just a, they're stacked defensively, and they've already gave up Hayden Flurry to the Ducks at the trade deadline because they were going to lose. They were almost assuredly going to lose him in yeah. the in the expansion draft, and they got yeah. and they so they moved him ahead of time to make sure that did, they got something. So yeah. that's that's what you're look, and that's what you're looking at. That's what's available to the Canucks if they go out and they're proactive and if they they're go looking proactive. For something good. And we and you know what? Like they say that though, when we just spent like ten minutes talking about how the Di Pietro move was the least proactive thing of all time because it yeah. took three months to fucking make it happen. So yeah. and ugh. and and literally, but what's again? What's frustrating is is like they did it with Nate Schmidt. They did it for Nate Schmidt, and you almost think like God, if they would be, if they had the cap root, if they had cap space, they wouldn't have, and they would have gone for something more. They would have gone for like some expensive defenseman, for some expensive UFA guy. Instead, if only, if only which they is had my cap biggest space, worry. Yeah, if only they had cap space, and they could have offer sheeted uh, Eric Cernak or something. You know, when Tampa was completely screwed and against the cap and everyone just kind of let them let them be. I mean, every team was <sighs> dumb for that one. Like, I mean, how do you yeah. like how did they let that happen? Um, I did want to run. Know. I did want to run one stat line by you uh, really quick uh, as we sure. get into like the NHL. Yeah, before we get into the NHL news. Yeah, as we get into. I, well, I guess this kind of this kind of bridges the gap between the two, I guess. Um, so uh, there's a player out there right now uh, with. Um, Four, uh, in 44 games, he played 44 games. He has uh, 25 goals, uh, 11 and 11 assists for 36 points. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good year for this guy. Do you know who I am talking about? Sorry, what was the goal total again? Uh, 25. And defenseman? No, sorry, no okay. forward. This is a forward. Uh, is that Jared McCann? <laughs> no, that's a great <laughs> guess, though. That'd be very funny. If it no. was, no, I am talking about Tyler Toffoli, <laughs> Montreal Canadiens uh, winger Tyler Toffoli, who the Canucks could have right now, scoring 25 goals for a team that is equally as good as the Canadians in reality. Like, there's not much difference there. I saw I saw Daniel Wagner making the, like, bit where he was like, I'm, like, he's like, I think you can. He's like, I think it's pretty safe to say there are only, that only three teams in the North Division deserve to make the playoffs. And I almost, I almost replied to him like, I think you could make a very good argument that none of them deserve to go. Uh, they're all like, wicked bad in like, certain. Points. The Oilers are the one you could probably make a case for actually deserving it because they're getting which is funny because they're like 
because oh, they're like, like a third. 55 year old yeah and yeah third. which is like which is it's so funny like they're the one team that i like yeah they're the one team that i'm kind of like okay like e- even though the leafs have like an 11 point lead yeah. i'm still just like yeah like yeah. I, I don't i i'm just, i just kind see of, the bottom falling out kind of like paper tiger a bit like they came out really hot looked really good and then all of a sudden everyone realized they don't have a goaltender <laughs> it's like oh right yeah. that whole thing but I mean, like yeah the oilers Edmonton are at least maybe consistent at what they're do- they're doing they've been they have been elite the entire season they've been exactly where they are the entire time which they is, oil- is oilers hockey spanked the jets they spanked the jets six six uh, to one in that last get- game why don't we get straight into the NHL news? Cause we can tie this right sure. into my poor, yes. my poor baby jets. Uh, Nikolai injuries. Ehlers injuries. They, <laughs> they did my boy dirty. Uh, those, those wascally, wascally weefs, uh, <laughs> hurt my hurt. Nikolai okay, Ehlers somehow. He took like a weird hit, I guess from the Jake Muzzin or Joe Thornton. They're not really too sure which one it was, but it was enough you- to end his season. Which, have you seen the the highlights from those two Leafs Jets games? They're fascinating. They're, chippy. they're very they're real chippy. Very chippy. Which like, is like a know, very weird rivalry. Yeah, it's it's literally the whole like ah yes the 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 long the long uh, storied rivalry of Winnipeg and Toronto. Yeah, everyone's favorite. Literally, I can't think of two. I don't think there are two other teams in the division more like platonic in terms of like heated rivalry than those two. Yeah, like maybe Ottawa, Winnipeg, but even then, I feel like their games are pretty like intense. They're pretty the, There's a they're like I've I've seen some good games from them. Like I've seen some good like six to four games from those two. Yeah. It, um, it's just bizarre that like the Leafs and Winnipeg is the most chippy series in the NHL, right? Or in the North Division, like yeah. even that Battle of Alberta, like isn't really that intense. Like it started out pretty hot, year, no. but not yeah, really. No. Um, and like I remember the one thing there being for like the Leafs and the Jets was of course the Austin Matthews Patrick Line connection, but that's obviously gone now. So that doesn't really make any because yeah, exactly. Then now they have yeah. Pierre Dubois, Dubois who ran uh, Jack Campbell in one of those games. That's a great shirt, by the way. I'm just <laughs> noticing the short King Nils shirt. Fantastic. Um, we'll uh, we'll run through the the NHL news and I'll close with my uh, with my short King Nils shirt story. Okay, it's okay. Funny. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. Um, but yeah, like. The injuries are real are really starting to pile up league wide right now. The other I day mean, it was like this every piece of particular. news. Every piece yeah. of news the other day, uh, Monday or whatever it was, was like like, like yeah. done for the season, player done for the season, player out for several months, player getting surgery. It was like yeah, no nothing Hannafin but injury one of them. news. It was insane. Yeah. I no couldn't Hannafin believe it. It was the Flames is done. Yeah, and, and it's like Murray. I mean. I go back to like why are we pl- why are teams playing this season? It's so so dangerous and like you have Calgary like their schedule got kind of they did get it fortunately didn't get wonkified too badly when uh, Josh Levo tested positive, but obviously the Canucks schedule is a complete mess that pushed back uh, the Toronto schedule a bit so they had quite a few games in a short period of time cut off of it and you're like is it really worth it like do the does the league desperately need them to play 56 games? Obviously they have like, I guess, contract obligations to reach that number, but you're seeing it now, like star players, star defensemen for teams in the North division are getting 
hurt for the remainder of the season off of seemingly innocuous shit because they're playing so fucking much. Like, yeah. at what point is Braden Holpe going to tear his groin because he's trying to carry, like, an exhausted COVID team on his back? Uh, Elias Patterson probably broke his fucking wrist because he was so sick of having a 2% shooting percentage. Like, it is... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, just it's... it's culminating into this point where, like, the Jets for me were like, okay, they're a guaranteed playoff performer. They're going to get there. But now with Ehlers, like, arguably a league wide MVP for his team right now, is done Ooh, for wow, the season. Take, that but... that completely fucks their entire yeah. plans. Like they might they might be start. Like considering how they've how he's how important he's been for their success this year and coupled with the fact that the rest of the team has not been playing that well of late including connor hellebuck who's had a few rough outings of the last you see a stat bit. line it was Got- like 850 save percentage over his last like six starts or something like yeah. that it's and like, then he was ugly. and uh i mean he, then he was uh you know he's he talked about how he didn't want feel he deserved to be pulled which yeah. tells you that there's probably not some great uh, coaching relationship going on right now either. Right. Paul Maurice. Um, again, literally, like, you... I don't want to, like... I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the Canucks should absolutely... Like, should the Canucks should tank. Because, you know... Like, that's kind of been the weird thing about this year is it's like, there's... You shouldn't tank, first of all. If you're, like, the yeah. Canucks, you shouldn't tank. There's no... Absolutely zero reason to. There is no benefit to tanking in this in this particular year because of how... What a crap how shoot the draft the is going to be. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that you... Like, you could very easily get players who would normally go in the first round uh, in, like, the third or the fourth just because yeah. there hasn't been the ability to scout some of these players properly. Right? So there's no incentive to do that. But at the same time, as much as I don't, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they shouldn't even try to make the playoffs, which I've seen, like, some people kind of do. Um, you're almost like, you're almost like, I I almost don't want them playing more games than they need to. Because, yeah. like, like, that may stretch happens, when it, like, happens after the playoffs start. It's like, it's like why? It's like, if they get hurt, if they get hurt from, like, for, like, a round one exit or something... Yeah. And then that affects next year where it's re- where I think the intensity of like the regular season will go up right back will go back to normal completely and it will be a it'll be a regular year. Yeah. It's like was that worth it? Like this is this is one of those years where it's kind of just like it you know what it's the rare year where I would say if the Canucks finished 5th and like a point or two out of the playoffs and that was the best they could do, I would yeah. be like any other year, I'd be like, this is the worst possible outcome. This year, I'm kind of like, hey, you know what? Just finish as high as you can. Just finish yeah. as whatever. whatever the highest possible place you can do is. You did great. I'm not going to yeah. give you any hard time if you... Yeah. If you, you trust did... your scouting staff, it doesn't really matter where you finish this year, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It. There's... Just like... You just... You just gotta ex- hope that they can they can pluck a few gems here and there because that's that th- yeah. this could be a really good year to like analyze some which teams are doing their do the best job at man- at uh, building like their draft uh, their draft uh, group and everything and who makes sure. those picks and everything because some of these teams are gonna walk away with really good players at much later than they should be getting them yeah. and 
that's gonna and that's uh that's gonna really separate a few teams here and there like of what who's really doing the best job at finding the players and not just going off of the name recognition right because you don't sure. have you have basically none of that this year yeah uh other news other nhl news um the broadcasting rights uh so firstly nbc basically said we're ta- we're uh, opting out of the bids for the uh nhl rights which is good yeah like, <laughs> like look thank I, God. we can do it. i'll do i'll do my rant after keep going keep yeah. going i'll do my rant after yeah i don't really have much to add on this nbc out is fucking rad that's that thank yes. god but tnt the turner network apparently is the one uh going after the rights uh, it's, it's, official. it's official it's kind of funny because it's like there a lot of the media is like you know oh look at this deal this 255 million dollars a year and i'm like did you guys miss like the basketball deal where it's not exclusive and it's like 1.8 billion dollars a season <laughs> like uh, this is peanuts like this is absolutely nothing but okay go off kings look i'm i'm not gonna get too bogged down in like the actual money aspect because i actually don't think that's the real important part here um the the fact that they're get i think the fact that they went to tnt and are, are like turner sports uh so turner sports is going to get a, i believe 75 national regular season games a year uh they're going to get some street and streaming rights through uh tnt and c they're going to get the the playoffs and the finals on the the cup finals uh three out of the next seven years uh with espn getting the other four on TNT and CBS, they also get every single Winter Classic. That's interesting. I did not realize Ooh. that ESPN did not get the Winter Classic. That's, and in a way, that's actually kind of cool that they can actually use that as a like that that game has enough marquee importance that they can use that as like a actual like bargaining chip. Like that's a you get the Winter Classic. They can actually uh, like make that part of the selling point. Right. Um, and also now with streaming on HBO Max, that is big too because HBO Max is already a pretty big service and it's if, only going to get larger. Like if that, it's not Disney Plus, but it's getting there. If that brings back that uh, the Road to the Cup or whatever the Road to the Winter Classic Ooh, series that HBO, yes, do, like oh, please, I would give be, us give us the content. I, I'd be stunned. I mean, they can do it. They can very easily do it now. Um, and but here but this is why here's why I think this is the most important thing about this is there if if you look at the correlation between ESPN and turn and Turner Sports and like their sports their already existing sports like uh, broadcast deals the one sport the other sport that they have in common those two groups have in common is the NBA and I don't think that's a coincidence that the NHL went for deals with those two with those two groups like maybe this is just me this is just me speculating but i think one of the things that i think it's pretty fun is that one thing the nba and those two and their two and those two broadcasting partners in particular have done a really good job of is marketing that the nba and their players they've done a phenomenal job yeah like selling the players as part of it and really making them the focal point and that is made i think the reason that the nba's broadcasting rights are worth so much more now is because of the fact that they've done such a great job at marketing the marketing the league and the teams and the and all the personalities in the league 
right. like TNT's big thing is uh, inside the NBA with uh, where they have a panel with Shaq and Charles Barkley, and it's supposedly it's chaos and it's great. Apparently, it's a great show. I've never really watched it, but I've heard it's like I've heard numerous like multiple different people tell me, including like hockey people tell me that it's like the best uh, panel. That it's like the best sports panel uh in north america that it's just so funny and it's so informative and interesting right and so imagine if those guys do were able to bring a, a version like something close to that with that kind of level of interest and personality to the nhl and how <laughs> big that would be for them like how I big for the sport they would it would be if they could find that mix i think we talked about this um I don't even know how many episodes ago when you we were talking about Stephen A. Smith's uh, hype up video for what he knows about yes. the NHL. And I said, I said at that time, like, I don't know if the NHL and Stephen A. Smith will ever jive because Stephen A. Smith has a personality and the NHL and its players are like, like obsessed with proving that they are the most boring human beings on the planet. Like, did you see, uh, Connor McDavid's quote when they're like, Connor, uh, what's the what are your feelings on uh maybe hitting 90 points he's like i don't think about it it's just like he's he's the, new, he's the guy from futurama the neutral planet guy i yes. have no opinion if yeah, i if i don't so make it tell my wife boring. hello <laughs> like literally have you uh, there, i think awful. i think mallory i think mallory from the broadcast posted like retweeted like the his uh his answers his, like, I think his I, answer were, like the nhlpa questions and they're really yeah. they're just it's, they're so stupid it's like i always travel with and it's like my team it's like it's, oh my oh god, my god. <laughs> Fuck off, this is what okay and this is why uh if the i think that espn and uh, like and uh, Turner are gonna really do a great job at marketing guys. Like I think you're gonna see a lot more guys like Austin Matthews getting airtime in the states, which is important because here in Canada yeah. it's overload. But in the states, you almost get none of it for him, which is right. terrible because he's there. He's probably the best American player in the game right now. Uh, like and I mean the fact like and I talked about it this the last time and I'll go on my NBC rant the fact that Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes play on the same team they're two of the best American pl born players and they're not on American national TV more than once a year is awful pretty like, bad that's terrible <laughs> that's terrible for marketing yeah. that's a terrible marketing strategy if you imagine if like Elias Pettersson started getting like real like star billing in the states and they started giving him like because he's got personality he's actually got some yeah. of that and he's he's fun he's got a really wry wit and it's fun and it's great he'd be perfect for this sort of for like that sort of marketing point of view and the league needs that now more than ever and this is an opportunity for them to really like rebrand themselves and make themselves much cooler and give themselves an opportunity. They're not going to be the NBA. They're not going to get no. to being the NBA. But you can never but get can ever. Try. You can never get to that point. You can never get to that level of success that the NBA has if you don't try. Yeah. So I think that's important. And I think that the fact is, like, if they could have taken this, could have been it could have been less money. Uh, like it could have been less money than they got in the last deal. On the last deal, if you told me they're still going to these two, I would say that that's better for the long-term future of the sport in that sense. And I'll say for NBC, uh, them leaving, uh, look, they it was really good of them that they they did a lot for the league. I'm not going to say they didn't do anything for the sport. They did, they they did, did some do, things. They did, they did do some things, and they were pretty loyal as a, like, 
as a partner for what two almost two de- almost like no i guess a decade and a half like yeah. long time a, a since significant the, since the lockout time, yeah. since the main the big lockout in 04 yeah. they have been the main the sole u.s broadcaster that whole time and yeah. like we said with sportsnet here um i think the fact that they had no one to compete with meant they got super lazy and didn't innovate and they kept basically retrotting out the exact same broadcast every single year for 16 years and it got super old super fast and it wasn't good it was lousy yeah. their their uh their broadcaster were awful i will never i have never been more scarred as a canucks fan than having to watch the 2011 cup finals with the NBC and versus broadcasts, which would not stop, like, would not stop bending over backwards to praise the Boston Bruins yes. and, like, and oh, what a great, uh, what a noble, noble man Nathan Horton is, uh, after being hurt by that evil Aaron Rome. Like, oh my yes, God. It was, sa- it was nauseating. Yeah, it was awful. Like it was, it was the worst. It was at, the worst experience. And then just like dumping on Luongo at every single turn and then going back and like praising Tim Thomas for being yeah. the worst. Um, uh, it's just like, it, it was, it was awful. They did a terrible job with that. Like they, they, the, the, they did a good job with actually keeping the, the brand in, in like out there, like, and giving it the, t- like, and at the very least, like treating them as much like their most important client and mm-hmm. creating stuff like the winter classic and those sorts of things. That's, that's stuff that NBC had a big hand in doing and that's helpful and that's great. But the overall product was not great. And what's more important is I think uh, because NBC was not, is not a big sports property and the re- and hence why they're shutting down their sports, their sports channel at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it's pretty clear that most people didn't even know like it they didn't do enough uh to make people aware of the uh, aware of the sport outside of the the free the realm and i think now again i mentioned on the last one now you now you're gonna get ads for like for uh i don't know bruins habs during like a lebron james lakers game like that's big that those little things matter and I think it's yeah, it's more yeah. eyes on the sport, which is exactly what they have been looking it's, for. It's Hopefully, they get to a point where it's, they're it's good. kind of like the NBA, where they're getting Marvel Knights or whatever that is. Yeah, I know. I I put this in the doc because uh, I heard this on uh, Roxy Fever. Uh, shout out to the boys! Happy birthday, Jackson! Um, <laughs> big it, like, big uh, JT Miller fan, Jackson. Big yeah. JT Miller fan, Jackson McDonald. Hell yeah! yeah. Um, I, and he, they were, they were more, uh, pessimistic about it than, than I think you and I would be. Cause I mean, this is basically, uh, apparently the NBA is doing, uh, a, a Marvel theme broadcast. They're basically doing the, if you remember earlier in the year, we talked about the, uh, NFL and Nickelodeon game, which was yeah, Nick, Nickelodeon awesome. I get Marvel. I am actually probably going to err on the side of the cynic side of it where I'm like, this scene really like a giant ad. So I don't know if I'm really down with that. I feel like it's the same basic concept. I feel like it's the same. It's like, 
it's it's not this isn't for the hardcore fans like if you don't like if you're not a marvel person you don't have to watch it or like if you're not a nickelodeon fan you wouldn't have to watch it it's mostly for that niche group of hey here's a here's an interesting way to watch a sport that you might not have watched before it's kind of just the it's it's a good way to get some new people interested and i mean specifically i think this is a good thing for kids like kids are gonna watch that who might not have watched say might not have watched an nba game beforehand are right. gonna probably watch that NBA game and see this whole oh they're giving out like mar like superhero points to the players. It's kind of interesting, and I think that hey di- that Disney is gonna be the connect the NHL partner next year. Uh, right. I want my Star Wars night and my Marvel night. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's something new. I'll I'll give them that. Like, You'll give it that. Yeah, it's 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 certainly the- uh, original. Yeah. You're, you're doing something different, which is always good creativity creativity is good uh i appreciate them trying something that no one else is going to try even if it comes off very awkwardly or cringe or whatever they're trying something so i'll 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 give it the time of day frankly yes Um, you can't you you can't blame people getting people to try is always like having try is just sometimes that's the hardest thing to get people to do is to try something new or try something a little bit innovative and interesting. (coughs) Yeah. (coughs) NBC. I'm so sorry. Um, And I mean, to kind of tie it into what we've seen lately, I mean, there's like a, I I mentioned this on the Saturday or game. uh, At one point they were showing like uh, on the screen, they showed Tim Stutzla's uh, skating speed when uh, like he was entering, like chasing a puck, chasing a puck. And I was like, why isn't there ju- like you have a streaming platform? Why don't you just have a version of this broadcast, a broadcast where you have the the broad- all the data like the, available? The, yeah, you just have the data. The data takes up most. You you just have the the game on a smaller window, and then yeah. have like the stats on one side, the stats on the bottom. Why not? Why haven't they done that? Like you have, I don't see you don't clearly know. have the capability. I don't yeah, know they why have they the haven't data. done that. They have the data. They have the, and the da- means of showing it, so it's like offer a broadcast or like an, an NHL TV option where you can access that at all times. I mean, people yeah. will be more interested more engaged. So why not try as many different ways? Like, and then there was the, I guess we'll give a shout out as well to the, um, they did the, uh, the, I don't know officially what it was called, but it was like, they had the bro- hockey night in Canada broadcasts in what, eight different languages, uh, which on the, on oh, Saturday yeah, sorry, was, they, was fantastic. They, they showed off like the Punjabi version, the Tagalog version. Like that was pretty dope. That was um, fantastic. Next yeah, it's, year, it's just like add showing, Spanish. Like, yeah, just just like showing like that it isn't just like a one language binary. This is there's only one way you can consume hockey content. It's like no, no, we're branching out. We recognize that there are unique subsets of people that watch our sport, and we are going to try and reach them no matter what. And if we have a tagalog broadcast of a Marvel night, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great that'd be then, fantastic then so it happens so it's really cool um, um lastly guess, yeah uh lastly the uh, only other stuff from the nhl division we had a couple teams qualify uh clinch their spots we had the golden knights avalanche and wild and it's so but weird the most it doesn't feel one, like it the most important one though it's carolina hurricanes clinch playoffs with 69 points and they nice. had they had the funniest tweet about it too, where they're just like, we clinched the division with 69 points. And it was like just the, the Caroline logo photoshopped over Leo DiCaprio, like uh, great Gatsby, so I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah That's the, here. That great. Props to yeah. them. Props to their team. 
first. Hurricanes are my party. second favorite team for lots of reasons. They're a fun team. Their social is fantastic. They're yeah. great. They're so fun. And if the Canucks don't make the playoffs, I think they're the team that I would be pulling for in that in yeah. that scenario. Um, be fun. One last thing, I guess we should also mention. Uh, just uh, I, I I wanted to touch on this just because I thought it was interesting. Uh, it's been ten years since the Alex Burrows slay the dragon goal. Um, which we are both old. We are both old. We are all old for that happening. I did want, and I wanted to ask you. I don't know if we, you and I, have ever talked about this. Um, do you remember what you? Do you remember where you were for that goal? Like, what did you? What did you do for that goal? I was actually working. Really, I, I missed the game. Oh my god! Did I you, like so. so how did, okay, well, this is a good story. Where did you like? How did you find out they won then? So what happened was well, because you could hear people honking and shit. So oh, like, wow, I, really? I, okay. So what happened was I used to work at a dollar store and the shifts at the time where you'd either work like in the morning shift, but that was for all like the, the moms and stuff. And if you were a student, you could work 4.15 to 10.30 or 11. So because I was in school at the time and prepping for um, basically my first year outside of uh, BCIT, I was still working... I started my new job and I was working my old dollar store job and I had taken up a bunch of shifts to basically just like make some extra cash as I transitioned to a, a real job basically. And I ended up uh, missing the game because I was working a 4.15 to 10.30 PM shift and Jeez. it worked out in such a way it might not have been 4 15 10 30 i can't remember what day the game was on but i know i worked the shift because when i left my shift people were honking the entire time on the street and so because obviously like i missed the game and i was like oh my god like i guess they won or whatever and i had no idea what the context of the game but everyone was honking no matter what and i was like uh listen to sports radio on the way home I'm like oh okay shit sounds like it was fucking awesome <laughs> cool yeah. and then right, way one for the entire like after that series was done i had no more shifts so i spent the entire like next series against uh nashville uh, nashville and then uh, san jose both series were basically going downtown going to the kingston pub and oh yes so at that time the pubs were so packed you could not, you could not get a table unless you went like in the morning and sat there the entire day. So we'd go to the Kingston pub and we'd go to the back where they had a back patio but they didn't have a TV until they realized they were so packed that people were coming for the game. So they hooked up like a dinky little CRT screen that was like probably the size of your monitor on your laptop right now. It was tiny. And we would we would surround this thing. There'd be like fifteen people in the back patio watching this dilapidated piece of shit TV. <laughs> That's amazing. As, as uh, Maxim Lapierre would score like the solo goal against like Boston in Game Five or whatever. It's just like like shit you you'll have burned in your skull. Where it's just like I, you're watching this I, this iconic game on this shitty screen in this pub in the back. And, and yeah, it's like the, the best. It's the best way you've ever watched was, a game. It was the best, like, the best yeah. way I've ever watched a hockey game. Obviously, like being in the the arena was would have probably been better, but it was about as close as it can get for being good. Because when they scored, 
it was fucking awesome. The whole bar just went nuts for like 10 minutes. And like, you know, Chara or like Marshawn touch, touch the puck. You just hear everyone be like, fuck yeah. You <laughs> like shit was yeah. so rad reading that it was the 10 year anniversary. I was just like, fuck that's, that's yeah. a, there's an existential crisis for you folks. Uh, sure. I was 21 at that time. Actually, Ooh, I, don't, I don't even think I turned 21 at the time. Because, yeah, wow, I really? April 26th or whatever. So I would have technically not been 21 yet. I was still 20, which is Holy. horrifying. Horrifying, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely I wa- horrifying. I, and I'm, I, I can't tell you how jealous I am that, like, for, that you got to, like, live through that Canucks experience. Like, that, that, that run like in Vancouver and actually be here for it. Like I, I, we, we, we were obviously the only people in our small town that cared at all about the Canucks, obviously. Um, and, um, when they, they won that game, when they won that game, like, cause we were, we watched the whole series, obviously just at our house because Lord knows no bar was going to show it in no, nowhere nearby was ever going to show hockey, let alone the the Vancouver Canucks in California. So we watched every game at home with our dogs. We were like my family, my, my parents and I, and, um, like the, just the stress. I, oh my God. I remember sitting at the corner, like the closest part of the couch, just sitting there like, Jesus Christ, if they, oh my God, if they lose, I swear. Like we were just the the absolute just stress i will never forget that absolute stress See, <laughs> excuse me I, and... I feel relief that i i did work that shift because i skipped i mean i wasn't at the time i wasn't really a canucks fan anyway i was just happy that like all my diehard canucks friends <coughs> or canucks fans that were friends who were all super diehard like they were just loving that their team was finally going for it I was kind of indifferent to hockey at the time, but I was stoked that right. they were all like all happy. So I was just happy to live in the moment. I didn't really start watching the Canucks until like, I think the season after that year when they were just like, everything was falling apart because I was like, okay, how yeah. did it get, how did it change so fast? All my friends don't really oh, follow so the game team anymore. Yeah, probably. But like all my friends, like they stopped like watching the team. They had no idea what was going on. And I was like, oh, so what's happened in the last three years, guys. I, that was really fun when they went on the cup run. What's, what's gone on. And, uh, what's, what's the I deal? fell down the yeah. rabbit hole, unfortunately, which was, and now you're, he, and now you're stuck here. And now I'm stuck here. Yeah. Talking about their stupid farm team on our po- seven on people that cast on a podcast, yeah. the hey, eight, the 8,000th podcast of Vancouver yeah. uh, culture. But hey, um, we love it. Yeah. And then the, yeah, the Burroughs, and then, yeah, the Burroughs goal going in was crazy. Like, our dogs freaked out when we, like, it. all, like, it was literally just the, the, um, like, just the weight lifting off the shoulders of, oh, my God, they, uh-huh. like, they finally beat, like, because literally, like, my, my parents are both not, like, my mom and my stepdad, they're not big hawk like, they liked going to my games, they would watch the Canucks, they knew what the Canucks were doing. Right. <laughs> but they weren't, like, but, hockey people or whatever. They weren't, they just weren't diehards like I am. Um, suddenly I'm just dealing with like throat issues. I don't know why. Um, I swear I'm not, I'm not, I'm not emotional because of, no, uh, no, no, certainly just great. It's a very emotional day. Yeah. Um, but, um, like I remember just like, yeah, they, they, they followed the Canucks. Like they, they would follow the Canucks basically just because I wouldn't shut up about it at home. They knew what was going on just because I would keep telling them about it. Yeah. And even they just 
fucking hated Chicago by the end of like those dudes. They're like, oh, finally, like because you get it. Like you just kind of knew. Like the that was like one of the props of like the the broadcast at that time was that they they really cemented and hammered home how how the how the Blackhawks just had the Canucks numbers every single year in the playoffs. Like you knew the stakes. You knew where the team was at in their arc. Like you just knew like it was now or never. And then yeah, like just like a brilliant, brilliant piece of storytelling. Uh one that really hasn't like occurred since in the playoffs. Like when was the last like real getting over the hump kind of moment? And maybe that the was Stanham's goal, maybe like, like that's about the it. caps, the caps winning their cup finally. Oh, yeah. but even From a then, general NHL standpoint, there's but like but even then it wasn't like uh oh they finally beat you know x team like there's yeah yeah i will and you know what i know i'd spent 15 minutes dumping on nbc but i will say that we i was lucky enough for that series for that series and that call like obviously we didn't get jim hewson or john shorthouse but uh we got in in the states for that series we got john forsland who i actually who for to his credit uh i think he did a i think his call was pretty darn good too like it wasn't it wasn't obviously to the same emotional level that you would have gotten from like, you know, John from John Shorthouse or right. Jim Houston, who have obviously been with the yeah, franchise they, for been years. In yeah. Like you could like like I like reliving that recording, like the 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 Houston of the Houston goal. Like you just can hear the absolute just thrill in his voice, which of course makes Toronto fans hate him. Um but <laughs> like for to I think the call I got like we got um like uh, John Forsland saying they've exercised the demons in Chicago like, of Chicago sort of thing. Yeah, I think it was still a decent call, and I give Matt and I I, I really appreciate uh, I appreciated Forsland's call of that that honestly, game. Honestly, he did a he did a good job. Honestly, all of the calls of the goal are like good. You know yeah. why? It's Pierre Maguire wasn't involved in any of them. <laughs> That's true. He was not. And, <laughs> he didn't chime in in the moment of silence as the as the audience breathed in the moment to be like, "I had a feeling he was going to score here." I like, can because because one of the Blackhawks decided to be like, yeah, you know, just like yeah, oh, and off it's like, and then so you're like, stupid. "Why are you like Pierre? Why are you making me pity the Blackhawks because yeah. you won't stop talking about them? Why are you ruining this moment?" But anyway, why are you? Don't ruin this for me. Um, anyway. Yeah, and I uh, guess great, a solid a solid anniversary. Um, yeah, really not a fan. That's been ten years already. Makes me <laughs> look back on all the the things and the changes that I've gone through in my life, and makes me feel ancient and decrepit. As I do record this episode, very, very sick and ill with you. Um, yeah. Anyway, folks, this is a really fun episode to uh, review. Uh, review, <laughs> record, record. You um, same idea. Totally same idea. Um, yeah, you got it. Even though like the Sen series hasn't really been the most exciting, there's still stuff to talk about. There's still so many stories to take away for this Canucks team looking down the future and down the road, uh, playoff implications and beyond, expansion draft, all that stuff. So we enjoyed talking about this one with you. Yeah. If you liked our content, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We post all of our podcasts in video format so you can see our pretty faces and the nice yes. banners that I put up for Lachlan on his big Yeah. Day. I'm um, very thankful. I love those. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, awesome. I'll mail them to you. I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, yeah. Make sure you leave a make sure you leave a like on the video if you're on make the sure you channel, and uh, hit subscribe as well as the bell notification, uh, the bell icon to uh, get notified whenever we post a new episode on YouTube. Ring that bell, and uh, yes, ring that bell. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, like us on all of your favorite podcasting streaming services as well. You can leave us reviews as well. I think that helps us with our algorithm and make sure that we actually get uh, higher up on like the searches for Canucks podcasts. Yeah. Forward it to your friend. Share us on Twitter. We appreciate that. Lachlan, where yes. can the fine listeners find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lock in the Crease. I and uh, you can also and you can find my writing work at lockinthecrease.com, where I post the North Division power rankings every single Sunday. And uh, um, obviously, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a, a super secret article uh, coming <laughs> out on a on a uh, on a certain hockey team's website uh, maybe Jeez. in the next week or so. So uh, maybe look out for that as well. Uh, Cody, where can they find you? Uh, the fine folks can follow me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and at Comets Harvest on Instagram and my website, CometsHarvest.com, where I will be posting the next day's recap tomorrow, Wednesday, the 28th of April. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll catch oh, you on the next time. One more oh, thing. Wait, one wait, more wait. thing. Uh, if you enjoyed the show as well, check out our Patreon, uh, for five bucks oh, a month. Yes. You get bonus episodes, including one we are about to record in like 10 minutes from now. So we're yes. going to record some more stuff because that's how much Cody loves you guys. He's literally gonna, he's, he's doing his Michael Jordan flu game right here where he's gonna, he's gonna power through two podcasts in one night. Cause he's that's the best. I do. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, and yes, and you can get that for five bucks a month. You can also join our one dollar tier as well if you uh, just want to support us and what the work that we do on our separate websites and every and uh, and uh, you get the little bit of bonus like content uh, from time to time as well as like access to our Discord channel. So uh, yeah, yeah, go check that out. Cheers, everybody! Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.